You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And our guest today is Ramon Ray. And Ramon is founder of four different companies, an entrepreneur. He's also an author, has written a couple of different books, his most recent one, Celebrity CEO. And we're going to speak with him about authority marketing and about positioning and about how companies grow their business and influence. Ramon, welcome to the program. Hey, Bruce, thank you so much. And I'm a, uh, in your community, a recipient of your emails and your own videos. So thank you for sharing what you do with us. But I'm so deliriously excited to be here. Well, and, and I'm happy, happy to have you here. I uh, <laughs> attended your conference uh, a while ago here in New York with Seth Godin and, and uh, Adrian Miller and a whole bunch of mm-hmm. other folks that uh, it was great. It was great to uh, get the community together a little bit and uh, have a chance to rub shoulders with folks. And, and, and I'm you excited. you brought other people to the conference. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I brought a couple of different friends there and, and and, uh, you know, I think one of the fun things about these conferences is that it's a good excuse to actually get together with folks. We spend so much time online and, you know, in video conferences and emails and stuff to actually meet in person <laughs> can be a bit of a yes. rarity these days. Yes. So, I, you know, I'm excited to have you on because, I, you know, you've, you've been kind of a master of this world of helping companies uh, market to, influence, interact with uh, this kind of small business, medium-sized business market. And so I, I think, you know, I'm excited to see hear kind of hear your insights and your take on things you know our, our audience here is primarily you know service-based businesses you know why don't we start with just a discussion of when you look at you know your domain of your you know kind of small business medium-sized business growing markets mm-hmm. how do you see services like what what is the role of services in that yeah, I think it's essential. I think people forget, Bruce, and again, I'd love to hear from you as well on this and learn from you as we have this discussion, but I think the product-based businesses is, is one type of animal. But I think services businesses are important because we all need them. They're the, I think, I kind of see them as a back office that runs America. Yeah. You know, whatever you or I are doing or any of our clients or peers, everybody needs a service-based business. And what that means basically is often you're paying for somebody's time, you're paying for their expertise, you're paying for their knowledge. I think when I think of a service-based business to one degree, Mm -hmm. that's one essence that I see of that. And I think it's vitally important. There's a lot of challenges though, of course, which we'll talk about, but I I love it. I think it's a great business and I think there's a lot of opportunities to growth and as you're doing to scale them up. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is. It's interesting. The more businesses I kind of interact with, the more sort of service businesses I run into and, and also elements of business that are service related. <laughs> so even <laughs> even if you're a quote unquote product company and you right. know selling widgets or you know a SaaS platform or something like that, at some point there's some element of service within it, and you start running into these challenges of you know where where people are intimately involved in the delivery of of that process is mm-hmm. is, uh, is critical. Let's go back because I'd love to understand more kind of your background and how sure. you get into this because I think that's important to the conversation. So tell us about, I mean, I, I know you're running conferences. I know you're writing books. I have, you have a couple of different businesses. Give us a sense of how all that works and how you got there. What were you doing before this? Absolutely. So in essence, I'll start at the end and then go backwards. In essence, what I do is the, the summary of it, Bruce, yeah. is influencer marketing. So brands such as well, large brands, SAP, Salesforce, uh, you know, Microsoft, all these big brands, AT&T, Verizon, uh, they have the money. They don't need Ramon you know, to boost their brands. They could do a, 10 Super Bowl commercials if they want. Yeah. But at some time when they're looking to go very granular, very niche, especially to small businesses, two things they're looking for. One, they want to reach new markets, which again, they can do with the Facebook at, but they want that authenticity 
and that organic credibility for their business. And that's where I come in. Hey, Ramon's using us or maybe not. Ramon's speaking at our event. So it must be pretty good if Ramon's there because Ramon is blah, 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 blah. So that's really the market I'm in working with these brands to do blog posts, to do Twitter chats, to do uh, as you've seen where they sponsor my events. So that's that's kind of the what I do. Does that sound pretty good? Sound yeah, no, okay. I, it makes sense. So, and and tell us about the companies, or tell tell us about you know how you kind of develop your content, uh, sure. develop the events. I mean, what is, what does your business look like? Absolutely, yeah. So there's two sides to it. So, for example, as you know, I have an annual conference that I've done for about 14 years, and that one really is no magic to it. But every year, I put together the agenda, put together just what I think people want, and then from there, put a call out. I have a list of hundreds of of brands that might be a fit for it, and it's really Bruce going back to sales. It's about, hey, out of 500 brands who may possibly want to attend, would you like to attend? And I'm blessed to say that it narrows down to about three, five, ten year after year who raise their hand and say, Ramon, we'd love to be a part of it. So that's the conference side of it. Yeah. The second part of that, of course, is the content. For example, one of our clients is a uh, rental car company. They said, Ramon, we're launching a survey, a study of course, to, to benefit their brand and all that, a study and a survey, can we work with you? And I'm sure they're working with 10 to 15 other influencers to promote that content. So we'll do a blog post about it, Twitter about it. So my team, we have a team of, of about five, mm-hmm. consists of a designer, video editor, a web developer, two or three writers, and then my project manager. So I don't add very well, Bruce, so maybe that was more than five. But, uh, <laughs> hey, you got to focus on your strengths, you know? <laughs> yes, well, that's the team. <laughs> no, that's great. And that's helpful because I think that, uh, you know, this is an interesting conversation, not only talking about about the you know service market, but also as a service person yourself. I mean, I would right. say that you're 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 part of the the mix here in terms of growing a brand, growing a business around the service that you provide. Correct. So let's talk about some of the challenges. So uh, you know, as service business owners, leaders, what are some of the challenges that you typically see companies run up against when they when they start to think about growing it? You know, I think we're sure. you know we can talk about getting traction in the beginning, but you know, what, what is what are the growth challenges that you see? Yeah, and there's of course a lot, and I'd love to hear what you think on this, Bruce, but I think from what I'm seeing is that I think, and also, of course, in fairness, it depends on the size of the company. Yeah. If you're dealing with a 1 million to 3 million business or even a few hundred thousand, you're going to have different struggles, of course, than dealing with 20, 50, 100 million dollar business, a whole scale that I don't work with. But I think some of the pains could be similar. I think one is when you're first starting out, often, Bruce, as you know, it's just you. Yeah. So you and maybe a small team where you're the smartest guy or smartest gal in the room, which is not fun. People may think it sounds fun, but <laughs> It's not fun. So that's one. How do I stop being the smartest person in the room? Yeah. I think two, and what we're going through, what I have to constantly work at, because again, that's not the strength of mind so much, is how do I make sure things are repeatable, scalable, and that other people can do it? So systems and processes, I think, is two. Third thing, and I can go on, but I think I'll stop. The third thing I'm seeing, Bruce, is just sales. I talk to many of my peers, and they're like, Ramon, we need to hire people. We have to train people. We have to get them to fit our culture and get them into the model. So those are three things that I think I find, A, not being the smartest person in the room, two, getting a repeatable process and building the the whole, building what you do, building that system, I guess, the engine. And three, I got we got to generate sales. As Mark Cuban says, uh, Bruce, sales cures all. Yeah. Let's, so let's, let's go through them in reverse order. <laughs> let's let's sure. do sales. So I've got a phrase, which I think fits into your philosophy, or a story is really, um, you know, when the FAA was looking at all the airplane accidents, in the, mostly in the 70s and 80s, and the, they were coming in with, you know, all the checklists and everything. The one thing they found in, in just about any situation, you know, the, the one thing that would help is for the pilot to throttle up, to add thrust, because it would give them control, it would give them options. And so I, I find the same thing in business and sales, <laughs> is that if you're a... 
if you have any doubt, sell. Because <laughs> you know, right. having inbound leads gives you options, you know. And so I think, yes. and, and I think that's hard. I think that you know a lot of folks uh, struggle with that. What do you think? I mean, what, what do you think the the underlying kind of challenges are around sales when when companies are starting to grow, particularly when they're kind of sure. moving past a high water mark and they're trying to get bigger than they've been before. What do you think the challenges are in sales or what do you see in the in the companies yeah, you work with? Yeah, that's a great point. I think you're right. We say, you know, sales cures all, but I think you're right, Bruce, you touched on something else. If you don't have a lead generation machine, that's where you're problematic. And so I know even in my much smaller business, I know people kind of make fun of me in my church and other places. Ramon, why are you doing all these videos? Why are you showing us you're making pancakes? Why are you telling us at 4 a.m. to be positive? And you do quite a bit of content. Bruce, for me, it works. The small subset of brands that I need to power my business, the Fortune 500 who are selling to small businesses, I'm being chased. I'm being, my, my doors are being beat down. Ramon, can we work with you? So my point is, I think for service-based businesses, I work with a friend of mine in Hoboken as an IT services. Yes, you can do word of mouth, Bruce, for sure. You can do cold calling, for sure. But, and again, everybody speaks now, right? What do they say? A, a carpenter only speaks with the voice of a hammer or whatever that saying is. <laughs> so keep in mind, for me, Bruce, I think service-based businesses, it's about content. Yeah. People may roll their eyes, but I think that business that is showing themselves as a thought leader, that business that is doing some video, that business that is out there showcasing their staff, their customers, you're not going to get a sales from it. But the lead pipe and the and the mind share, not wallet share, yeah. but the yeah. mind share, Bruce, man, I think that's the name of the game. Again, it's not the, I don't know when Tiffany's was founded, but 70s, 80s, whenever it was, you know, not those errors are gone, but with Facebook and all the noise we have, you have to build a fan base, a community, then make sales through that. That's what I think. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I think that the 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 interesting thing you know you mentioned Tiffany is you know I think we we've definitely kind of moved into an era especially for these kind of niche service based businesses and, and niche um you know it, it still could be a, a multi million dollar business right a billion dollar um, brand well okay, yeah the, yeah it's it's just a different strategy I mean you know doing brand awareness or something like Tiffany's is a very different strategy than you know as a particular lawyer or accountant mm-hmm. or consultant or media advisor you know these these folks you know you're you're really developing this niche and how do you get your position and your personality out there, I think is really important. And I think, you know, a lot of people talk about the kind of the thought leadership of the ideas, but I think that personality is important too. And and I'm not, I'm not kind of an expert in this space, but what, how do you see this kind of balance between putting out kind of influential ideas or, uh, you know, important big ideas versus just putting yourself out there as, as a personality, as, you know, who you are, How, how do you, how do you do that? Like what's, what's your, what's your strategy or what are your guidelines? Yeah, and I think it's a very good point, Bruce, because I think both can be done very well and both are the same coin, different side. And here's what I mean. Let's take the IT services sector. I had a friend of mine who has a company doing it. I had a call from a gentleman who's starting doing IT services. When I looked at their website, Bruce, all were the same. Meaning, and this is more stereotypical, one is a brown skin guy. He had the same pick, the same stock images of the other guy who's a light skin guy, a white guy, Caucasian guy. Point is, uh, both IT services, there's no difference. We do managed services. Yeah. We do backup. You got the stock image from the same place touting the same stuff. So to your point, Bruce, A, I think there is room to consider and test putting your face out there saying, hey, I'm Joe. I'm whoever you are, Hakeem, whoever. Here's who I am. Yeah. 
as you kind of hinted, I think we were in the green room, we were offline. That might be a bit dangerous as you're growing because to sell the business and scale it. But for sure, Bruce, your thoughts and ideas, how are you doing managed services? What's your DNA of your company? What's your special sauce, your special mojo? So I think, Bruce, as companies are looking to be different, and maybe that's the biggest thing. Again, there's so many things I'm sure you talk about with your clients, but I'm seeing one thing, Bruce, is that people have to stop being afraid of being different. I was talking to a um, yeah. uh, a health fitness uh, company, um, and I'm not a consultant, but people you know, call me up, hey, Ramon, can you, I should send them to you, Bruce. <laughs> but people, a health fitness company, and they were saying this, everybody else Instagram videos look like this. I was like, I get it. But if you want to make some noise and, and get attention in the market, I'm not saying be crazy. Don't just shave your head over the toilet or something, and, <laughs> but, but do something different. And I think you're right, Bruce, to go back to your point. I veered off a bit here, though, is that no, it's fine. how, what is your thought leadership? How is that different than everybody else's? And more, maybe, why should I care? Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, I mean, not to get too kind of uh, couch therapist or couch psychologist on this, I think there are some fears under there, right? I think that most people, you know, it is it is a risk for mm-hmm. them to kind of be different and to kind of put themselves out there. But I think, as you mentioned, that's that's also the opportunity, right? The, the more yes. that we can differentiate, the more that we can, I mean, we could sort of discuss the, you know, quote unquote, authenticity idea. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it's just, it's about being a clear choice, a different option. And yes, yes you're going to turn a whole, you're going to turn off a whole bunch of people, but that's okay. In fact, that's what you want <laughs> because you want to yes. attract, you know, you want a strong attractor to a smaller set of the market and, and you want to actually repel a bunch of the market because that's going to mm-hmm. help with your lead sort of funnel and your filtering so that you can focus on the right people. So true. And Bruce, I'd like to ask you, or maybe just to touch on that point about repelling, I think those people who make a conscientious decision to do it, I think it's fair. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm sure you have friends, I have friends who curse quite a bit. If I'm going way off reservation, let me know. No, it's fine. But that's part of their brand, yeah. meaning not in a in a silly way. That's just who they are. And a friend of mine, you may know her, she said, Ramon, this is who I am. This is how I am. And people who don't like it, it's not a condemned way. It's just not a fit for me. She's yeah. made a clear stand. Yeah. And it's and she's embraced it part of her brand. If you can take some spicy sauce, <laughs> yeah. we can do work together. Yeah. So I don't know if that makes sense. No, I think that's true. And I think, you know, I think it, it's a considered process. I mean, I think you do need to look at the market and figure out, well, what what part of the market do you need to serve and what right. or do you want to serve and that, you know, that is profitable for you, that, you know, is works well for you from a business point of view, and then kind of dial in, you know, that part of your, you know, kind of presence that you're going to kind of enhance or accentuate you know, to be able to attract those folks and then and then repel the other folks. I mean, it's one of the things that I think is kind of a somewhat counterintuitive for most of these service-based companies is that, you know, they have limited time and, and limited, mm-hmm. limited capacity. So if you start working with non-ideal customers, you know, that doesn't hurt you just in the fact that you're, you know, working with a non-ideal customer, maybe at that are not super profitable or not at you know easy to serve, but you're actually taking up a slot for someone else. So you actually have to turn away a future ideal customer with that. And I think that opportunity loss, it's hard for people to stomach because they can't, you know, they want the they want to fill their pipeline and they want to stay right. busy, but that I think can actually hurt them. No, you're exactly right. It leads me back, and I bet you know him, a fellow, uh, one of the associations you're with, uh, Brian Scudamore, built 1-800 yeah. uh, Got Junk, yeah. his book, Willing to Fail. You know, So I think people, it's maybe not quite what's, what he's talking about in his book, but I think the principle of, am I willing to let go to get something better, and am I willing to take a little bit of risk? And it's, again, 2019, from 
from whether it be the president to a comedian to a rock star, everybody's distracted. And how are you going to get your clients, the right client to pay attention to you, especially as you scale your business? And I think, Bruce, how can you, especially for me, I'm very small, but those who are growing, it's not just a CEO's job to do it. How can you train your employees and and even get your customers in the right messaging to share what you do to grow even more? Because you can't do it alone. Yeah. Well, so, and I'm going to key in on that one because I think one of the, one of the things that I have found or one of the things that I kind of uh, teach or promote or philosophize on is is that your your customer relationship journey like if you do a map uh, or I'll sit down with clients we'll do a map of you know how do you generate the lead you know how do you nurture them what is the sales process look how do you start the engagement you know well we keep going to what do you need to do to them to have mm-hmm. them become an advocate for your business you know most people start with oh well, I've signed the, or they stop with I've signed the contract their customer is like <laughs> no like that that needs to continue you know for potentially months even years in terms of how you're nurturing that customer and that you're working with them to be an advocate for you and that's that's one of the I think biggest missed opportunities for most of these service-based businesses is to actually put in place, you know, a process, uh, a system for nurturing existing customers to become advocates. Yeah, you're right. And I think that is interesting. I had a, uh, a big, who I won't mention, telecommunication company come into my home to fix my router, my Wi-Fi. <laughs> and this may not be the exact same thing, but to me it is. Their brand, I think, has been tarnished like 20 years ago, 10 years ago. But the point is, when this gentleman came in, going back to companies that are bigger, scaling up, huge companies, it's not the brand so much anymore. It was how this gentleman represented himself when he came yeah. to my home, representing that brand. He put his little booties on each time he touched my light colored carpet. That, Bruce, meant a lot of me that clearly, yeah, he knows the speeds and feeds. He's going to fix it. He's a guru of tech, but clearly he's sensitive also to that small desire of the customer. So that mm-hmm. meant a lot of me because the, the company can spend all the money they want. The CEO can do it, the customer service rep. But at the end of the day, this dude who's in front of my house, that's all that matters. Yeah. Well, I love that because it's, it's the detail and it's about, it's it's having a process that has really thought about what are the concerns and needs of the customer that we're serving mm-hmm. and how do we, you know, how do we really delight them in that? And and the booties is, I think, a great, a great little detail that's super important. You know, that not only meets a real need, but actually leaves a, a real impression. Um, right. right. Made my wife happy. So. Yeah. Well, which is, <laughs> is they're a customer too. You know, <laughs> like they really need to think through that. Good. You, so you mentioned uh, another one earlier. So you mentioned something earlier. Um, uh, I think you mentioned, you, st- you stated it as uh, not being the smartest person in the room. So I won't say that you should be the dumbest person in the room. <laughs> but um, And that, that idea comes up a lot. What do we mean when, when you say one of the things you need to do as you grow is not, not be the smartest person in the room? What is that about? Absolutely. Uh, Listen, Bruce, here's what I'm realizing in my own business, but I think even for those who are growing and starting out, if you're the smartest person in the room, if you know it all, you're not doing a service to your company. Because let's take, for example, that you have to do finance, technology, and marketing. You can't do all three. You can't know all three. You need to find someone who knows technology better than you so your company can grow because you have limits. And hopefully they're getting people who are smarter than them. That's the thing I mean. Design. We can all go, taken for very, very small businesses, go to Canvas somewhere and do a design. But is that where your time should be, Bruce? Is that what you do best? So I think that companies that are growing, you will always be the leader. Calm down. Be humble. Don't worry. Nobody's taking away your business. (laughs) So you'll always be the leader. You'll always give direction. But man, if you're not surrounding your people with people who can kick your butt, who can tell you what to do, who can help you grow, who can get your vision and teach you, you're just going to slow your company down. You're going to be the one. The company's only going to go as fast as you're going, and that's not good. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I see it, Bruce. No, I think it does make sense. I think it's, And I think it's a transition or a, a mindset shift, I think, for a lot 
lot mm-hmm. of uh, leaders, a lot of owners, a lot of leaders that uh, not all of them make. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the ones that don't, uh, it becomes a really kind of hard ceiling for the growth of the business because, yeah, they, they become the bottleneck. They become the bottleneck mm-hmm. to the growth, to getting things done, to the capacity that a company has. So sort of getting getting out of your own way in that sense. But it, yes. it is it is a mindset shift. And I think that, um, you know, it, sometimes it takes some time and it's uh, re kind of evaluating or repositioning yourself in your own mind as where you create value. And you have to go from kind of being the expert uh, to really being the mastermind and the coordinator and the keeper of vision and the developer of culture and the finder of talent uh, and letting some of those things go. One thing I say to folks in that position is particularly ones that are coming out of um, that are experts that are you know mm-hmm. CTOs, you know technologists or marketers or something where they really are exceptionally good at what they do. Right. You know if they hold on to this idea that well, the, the other person can't do it as well as they can, I tell mm-hmm. them they're right. And that, that might always be the case. The problem is, is that, you know, that is not the constraining factor of the business. You may need to let someone else do it, you know, 98% as good as you, but, <laughs> but allow you to then focus on something else, which the company really needs. And that only you can do to grow the company. Yes. And that's, that's a challenge. And, we, and sometimes we talk about kind of local versus system optimization. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you continue to f- focus on local optimization, you won't achieve system level optimization. And I think that's, that's an important one. And I think it's a lot of one, like I said, not everyone gets it. Not everyone kind of moves through that. Right. But I think that's, uh, that's a big challenge. I think that's the power of coaching as well. I would tell people that are growing their businesses. I must say that for me as well, you know, as a CEO, as an executive, as you are, even if you don't maybe have the people around you, you're struggling with it, get help. Join an organization, get help. So I just wanted to throw that in there because sometimes we executives, and especially those who are growing $5 million, $10 million, $50 million businesses, maybe you feel a bit alone. Maybe you feel you have nowhere to turn. You can always get help. So yeah. I just want to add that in there. Yeah, as well. I would strongly agree. So, and whether it's a coach or uh, you know, professional organization, uh, you know, business group, entrepreneurial organization, something like that. We like to say this idea of when you're in, you know, when you're in the soup or you're inside the bottle, you can't, you know, you can't read the label. And so you need folks <laughs> around you to kind of tell you what's going on. Because when you're in it, it's impossible to have perspective. It's hot, impossible to sort of see, see what's happening from the outside. So, so get that perspective and that's going to help you a lot. Let's talk about branding. Um, Cause I know that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, focus for you in terms of developing a personal brand. I mean, you've, you've done an amazing job of positioning yourself, you know, in the market in terms of of you know reputation in terms of presence in terms of content uh, you know I think that service-based businesses you know can benefit a lot from this kind of personal branding side what are some strategies or recommendations that you might give people who are looking to kind of amp up their personal brand or develop their personal brand and, and get themselves out there for reputation getting leads things like that absolutely and I'm a firm believer in personal branding I think for very very small businesses Bruce it's a must you have to do that because at the end of the day you can have the best logo and images and all that in the world but people are really buying you from larger companies, I'm finding a lot of people, and some of them are peers that we know, they want to invest in personal branding, one, as a as a marketing ad to their company. They're already doing ads and all that, and they have a sales team, but you know, they have a nice face maybe or yeah. <laughs> whatever yeah. it is, and they want to get it out there. And or they want to do new areas. They want to have a book out or do a little side thing. So those are some reasons to do it. So personal branding for me, Bruce, is a few things. A, I think everybody should be sharing some sort of content. You've heard me say this, but I'm a firm believer. Build your own thought leadership. No, very few people will tout you as, as well as you tout yourself. So that's one, content. Two, I believe the way to do that is it can't hurt to have events. Why don't you have yeah. your customers have the market, have somebody to your office? 
office if you can, or if your office is not big enough, once a month have a meetup. That's one way to build your personal brand. You're hosting it, assuming you host it well, uh, and et cetera. Three, I'm a firm believer in the power of video. It kind of goes back to content, but video I put in a category by itself because it's so important. Do a show, be it podcast or otherwise. Yep. So those are a few things I think, Bruce. I'm a firm believer in a book. So those are some things I think that as you're doing that, putting yourself out there, be careful, of course, make sure you don't have a Papa John's moment, but assuming all goes well, <laughs> you know, that you're tagging yourself to your company, I think there could be a lot of benefits. Yeah. If people are interested in it, but they're not quite sure how to uh, kind of start, what, what are the what are some of the things they can do to kind of take a first step or make it easy? Sure. I think a lot of people kind of freeze up you know, when they think about Absolutely. creating content or creating video. How do you, how would you help them kind of get through, break through a little bit? Sure. Two things I would say, this is a tactical thing. You can let me know if I'm answering the question, Bruce, but I think as a simple blog. Now, many of you have a corporate blog, Jackie, Bob, two floors down or whatever's doing it. I'm saying you take the time, put it in your calendar, do your own blog post, your own thought leadership once a week, once every two weeks. If that is even hard for you, have your content team interview you. Yeah. So those are one of two ways to do it. I think, Bruce, and I'd love to know what you think because you do content, but I think that that's a simple way. Some people don't like video. Some people don't even like to hear their own voice. And I, you can go up from there, but at least a, put your thoughts on paper and hit that button. If you don't have a corporate blog, you can even use a tool like Medium, yeah. but somehow that, or LinkedIn, yeah. Sim, you know, discipline yourself so people know it's you. Don't hide behind, you know, V Corp. Yeah. You know, I agree. I, yeah. I would say, you know, just kind of figure out your content style. I mean, would some people are more comfortable writing or video or audio only. Um, you know, I think that's one is kind of figure out where you're comfortable. And then I love the idea of interviewing either, you know, having someone interview you for the content or interviewing other people. I mean, I think the conversation ends up being, you know, a great way to create, you know, really in interesting, insightful things and, and gets your brand out there, gets your personnel out there. So all great suggestions. So we're going to hit time here. Ramona, if people want to find out more about you, about smart hustle about the work that you do, the content you develop, what's the best way to find out more? Yeah, thank you, Bruce. Listen, smarthustle.com is where I live and breathe, smarthustle.com. You can find out more about me at ramonray.com. And I welcome uh, people to check it out. And if I can help, let me know. I'm a friend of Bruce's officially now. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so I'll make sure that those links are in the show notes. Um, and Ramon, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. It has been, Bruce. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.